So these are just going to stay up here? Is that good? All right, I just want to be clear. So we, um, we thought to ourselves as a worship team, Scott's leaving for sabbatical in a month. What can we do to embarrass him? And this is the idea that we came up with. And I, I feel like it was pretty good, but you're, you're quite good. As probably most of you know, Mr. Rogers, of course, was a Presbyterian pastor. And, uh, and so we are uh, very proud of that. And so, uh, but what a great, what a great, great job. Thank you. Mr. Rogers. And as Mr. Rogers said, we are definitely going to be talking about what it means to be a neighbor and what it, what it means to neighbor. Hopefully you should um, already have uh, realized that that's where we're going to be over the next several weeks. So we're excited about that. And uh, we're going to begin today, I'm going to read two different scripture passages. And the first one is going to be kind of our, our theme, if you will. Um, and not surprisingly, um, it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And so here these words of Jesus. It says, One of the scribes came near and heard them uh, disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the second passage for us this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Luke says, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See? I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we give you praise this morning. We thank you, Lord, for laughter, for joy. We thank you for your presence in our midst. And Lord, I pray today that we would hear your word, though it be something that perhaps we all know well, that in some way, Lord, that you would quicken our spirit, that we 
might allow your word to sink deeply into us, into who we are, and into the lives that we live. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So yeah, we're going to be talking about neighboring over the next several weeks. And you may be wondering to yourself, why in the world should we do this? I mean, everybody already knows this stuff, right? Most of us already know Jesus' two commands, right? Love God and love neighbor. So why should we spend so much time talking about something that we already know? And the first reason, it seems to me, is that it's always important for us to go back to the basics. It's easy for us, I think, oftentimes to get distracted by all the different things that we're doing in our lives, by all the different things that the church is doing. And sometimes it's important for us to simply go back and ask the question, are we doing the most important things that Jesus said we should do? Are we loving God and are we loving neighbor? And as we've talked about quite a few times here, it's easy for us to begin to equate church simply with what happens in here right now on Sunday mornings. And yet what Jesus seems to be saying is that the church is supposed to be the community that is helping to shape people in order that they can love God and love in order that we can love God and love Well, even that was still somewhat soft, but I'll give it to you. But again, from the young age, most of us uh, probably, especially if you were raised in the church, we just equate what the church is to what happens here, right? Everyone knows that kind of famous little sign, well, everybody, but again, if you were raised in the church, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up, and there's the, right? And where are the people? They're in here, right? But really perhaps what you should do, and this is kind of graphic, but you should perhaps cut off these little tips of the fingers and have them scattered, right? Have them more going out, right? Not just in here. And I know it seems small, but this is a message that we begin, right? Oftentimes, right, in my own family, even with my own kids, I try to not do this, but frequently it's like, okay, come on, kids, hurry up. We got to get to church, which means that they begin to equate church with what happens here, right? And again, it's a subtle message, but the more frequently you begin to give that subtle message, the more people begin to get that sense. And as we grow into adults, of course, it just continues in one form or fashion what church is supposed to be. And and church easily becomes more about us and about what feels good to us and what we're getting out of it and whether or not we're being fed. And while all those things are good and fine, they are not enough. What Jesus is trying to say here is how are you being shaped in church in order that you can love God and love neighbor even more? So it's important for time to time for us to get back to the basics. The other thing, the other reason why I think it's important is because, quite frankly, and it sounds somewhat ironic, but it's because of the fact that we talk about it so much that we need to make sure that we're talking about it more. 
What I mean by that is that we oftentimes speak very generally about loving our neighbor, how we should be a people who love our neighbors, and we just say it just like that, right? So I can stand up here, as I've done before, and preach, and I can say, you know what, we've got to love our neighbors, and you all will say, oh, that's so true, of course you do. I mean, we've heard you say it a hundred times, but yes, of course it's true, and it makes you feel good. We should love our neighbors, and you walk out and you say, ah, what a great reminder, Pastor Jerry. Thank you for reminding us that we should love our neighbors, and I feel good and co inside and you feel good and cozy inside and you go home and you have feel great all week I feel great all week we come back we still feel kind of good and absolutely nothing has actually changed because we all like to think about well we should love our neighbors but what happens if I stand up here and I say to you okay we're supposed to love our neighbors but here's what it means this week which is that I want you to go and I want you to knock on somebody's door or I want you to go and when that person that you sometimes try to walk away from I want you to go up and start a conversation or I want you to to invite them out for coffee or over for a meal or I want you to go up to somebody that you may not know perhaps you've already heard their name two or three times but you keep forgetting their name and say to them one more time I'm sorry I've forgotten your name Can you at least give me your name? When I begin coming up with things like that, all of a sudden you become awkward and uncomfortable, right? The little hairs on the back of your neck start, start coming up. You start thinking, well, you know what, I, it's just not this week. I mean, maybe next week, but this week I really don't have time. Or, or you know what, I'm not very good at that kind of stuff. All of a sudden you come up with excuses and then you don't really walk out that door where you know I am because you feel uncomfortable and then I feel uncomfortable and the whole week is uncomfortable. Not only that, but then if I ask you to do that, then I feel like I have to do it. And if I don't do it, then I feel guilty. And if I do do it, I don't really want to do it. So why even talk about it specifically at all, quite frankly? But if one person out of the five or 600 who are here actually goes out and does it, then change may actually happen for that person and for their neighbor. And even though the rest of us are uncomfortable, we actually do a lot more to accomplish God's kingdom than we do if I just sit up here and say, love your neighbor generally, and everyone walks out happy. And so we need to start asking some harder questions. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little nervous. I'll I'll be interested by week four or five, how many of you are still here? But I also begin to think, well, we're either going to be here and we're actually going to follow what Jesus says and we're actually going to try to make some kind of impact for the kingdom or we're just going to kind of come in here and everyone's just going to feel good and go home and maybe come back next week and feel good again. And that's really not what Jesus wants the church to be. The church wants to be a place certainly where hopefully you feel good and are comfortable but also where you feel uncomfortable where you're asked to do things that you may not always want to do, but are a part of the call of God's kingdom to love God and love, to love God and love, that's better. And so this week I thought perhaps a good place for us to begin is to look at this uh, uh, Luke 10, 1 through 11. We're not going to have time for me to kind of delve into it as much as I would like to because I want us to do a couple of other things. But I I want us to look at this because in many ways I think it speaks to those things which inhibit our loving our actual neighbor. And let me say here, I know that not everyone lives in a neighborhood, but I would suggest that about 93.8% of us do. I just threw that out there. I think it must be right. 
There are a few farmers that we have. We have a few people who own some acreage, so maybe they don't. So don't think that this, you know, completely you don't have to think about it if you're one of those people. I mean, think about some other area where perhaps you can kind of neighbor, if you will, if it's at work or someplace else. There's always a place to neighbor. But for the rest of you, the 93 point, I forget the number I use, 8% uh, percent, um, of you, <clears throat> this means thinking about your actual neighbors. So Jesus starts off by saying, or, or Luke starts off by telling us that Jesus sent out the 70 others, right? Now this is a good, you know, to figure out how much Bible you know. What are some of the names of some of the 70 others that Jesus sent out? Well done. Right, Jim, Bob, right? We don't know which I think is significant because it means that these aren't necessarily the all-stars. It's not the 12. It's not the top 12 disciples. It's not those who knew Jesus the best or who knew everything about Jesus the best. It is 70 others, which means it may not be the people who were the most eloquent. It may not be those who had gifted, were gifted with evangelism. It may not be those who knew everything about the Bible. It was simply 70 others. Which means, quite frankly, all of us. And sometimes one of the things that inhibits us from actually going out and really loving our neighbors or doing these things is that we think, well, we're not really very good at that. That's not really what I'm very good at or I'm not really called to that kind of thing. I'm really called more to kind of, uh, you know, I've been gifted with sitting on the sofa and watching television. That's more of a spiritual gift that I have. And, And what Luke here points out is that Jesus sent out 70 others. And that's significant, I think. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, on the, um, when uh, Paul is preaching up there on Mars Hill, one of the things he talks about is the fact that God has kind of selected and formed who you are and where you will live and when you will live there. Right? And so one of the questions I like to ask is, do you think about that? When you're thinking about a house, when you think about why you bought your house, do you think about the fact that it's more than just because it had the right amount of bedrooms, right? We've talked about this, more than just because of the fact it has the right amount of bathrooms, that you were actually put there because God has called you to that neighborhood, right? This is not just happenstance. It's not just because of the school districts. It's because God has called you there. And if you began to act like that, if you believe that God had called you to your particular neighborhood for a reason, how might you begin to neighbor a bit differently? So Jesus calls out 70 others, i.e., Jesus calls everyone. And what does he do? He sends them out into the neighboring towns, into the communities, or as we might say, into our neighborhoods. And it's important to see what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, here's what I want you to do. Go into the town, do a demographic survey, find a nice intersection, a major thoroughfare, have a capital campaign drive, come up with enough money so that you can buy the building, buy the building, put out a sign that says when your worship times are, then go inside and wait for people to come to you. Now, that doesn't mean that there's anything bad about having a building. It doesn't mean that there's anything bad about having a sign. It doesn't mean that there's anything bad about having a capital campaign. But it does mean that that's not the only thing or even the primary thing that Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to go to where the people actually are, where they live, 
right? You can't just say, well, we'll set something up really nicely here, and as soon as the people come in, then we're going to neighbor them. Then we're going to love them, right? Certainly when people come in, please love them, neighbor them, be kind, be hospitable. But that isn't enough. That Jesus says we're supposed to go out there where they actually are. Which makes all of us, my guess is, at least 98.7% of us, uncomfortable. Because most of us are much more comfortable meeting people on our property, on our place, on our terms. And whenever you go and meet people where they are, perhaps in their homes or on their terms, it's always a bit more messy. It's always a bit more uncomfortable. It's always a bit scarier. It makes you feel more vulnerable than if you simply say, well, when people come in here, we're going to love the heck out of them. And Jesus says, no, you go where they are and you love the heck out of them right there. But Jesus, to his credit, he understood that that would be scary. I love Jesus because he doesn't pull any punches. Right? Did you notice the imagery that he used? Right? He, he, he didn't say to them, you are going to be like tigers or, or you're going to be like lions and you're going to go out there and they're going to be like injured gazelles that you just grab and take hold of. What does he say? You are going to be like lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, Jesus had clearly not taken advertising 101. Because if Jesus had done that, he would have known that the way that you get people to do things, the way that you motivate people, is not by telling them that they are going to be like lambs going out into the midst of wolves. That's not the way to get people excited about church. Fortunately, we are much smarter than Jesus. You guys are worried. Don't worry. There's some sarcasm there, okay? Because what we develop, right, as you think about this, when you think about our church website or other churches' websites, right, what do we have, right? Whenever you have a website, right, it's usually you have some people. Usually they're fairly attractive. They probably have very beautiful teeth. You've got some young children that are all there. They're always smiling and laughing, right? I mean, there's a, a real sense of comfort and coziness. It's, it just makes you want to go, right? It makes you want to be a part of it. And as I was thinking about it this week, I realized that if Jesus was our webmaster, that this is probably what our website would look like. It's pretty disgusting. You could take it down before kids start crying. Okay. Right? Come be, come be a sheep. Right? Now look, we're not going to change our website today. And certainly, I think the church should be a place that comforts us. But we can never grow too content with thinking that it is simply a place to comfort us. It is also a place to make us uneasy. It is also, if it is a church following the gospel, that will put us in positions where we feel vulnerable at times. Because if we never feel as if we are sheep, in the midst of wolves, then we may need to ask whether or not we're actually doing the things that Jesus wants us to do. 
But fear is oftentimes something that inhibits us from neighboring. And so next week we'll talk a little bit more about that. One of the other things that oftentimes inhibits us is simply a lack of time. Jesus here, as he's kind of telling the 70 what to do, he says to them, go and, and, and don't greet anyone along the road. Right? Which in some ways seems incredibly rude. Right? In fact, some of you may be like, well, if that's what neighboring is, I've got this thing down. Right? I can do that. But what Jesus is probably saying is not be impolite to people who you meet along the road. It is focus on what you are called to do and do not be distracted by the many things that will distract you. It's a question of time and prioritizing, right? I mean, all of us know how easy it is to be distracted, right? Whenever perhaps you're finally going to go to the gym and you start going and then there's a, a Dunkin' Donuts that you see along the road and you think, you know, I've got an extra four or five minutes and before you know it, you know, you finish off a dozen and you think I don't really have time anyone other than me done that fine so but that's it's easy for us we go with good intentions right but there will always be things that distract us there will always be things that think well it'd be impolite for me to say no to this it would be wrong for me not to do this as well that keep us at times from doing what Jesus has genuinely asked us or told us to do. And so in a couple weeks, we're going to talk even more about the importance of time and how we spend our time. It's also a question, of course, of whether or not we understand why we are doing this. The church sometimes has been accused of, and I think rightfully so, of, of perhaps just trying to make nice people. And one of the things that you need to know is that Jesus did not call us to love our neighbors just in order to be nice, just because it seems like the, quote, right thing to do. Jesus asked us to do it because it's a part of the greater kingdom of God. This is what we've been talking about for the last several weeks with the Sermon on the Mount, right, about what it means to be about, be about bringing the kingdom of God on earth just as it is in heaven. And what Jesus tells them is that when they go out, the 70 others, that they are supposed to go out and they are supposed to tell the people that the kingdom of God has come near. Which means not only is Jesus there, but it also means that when they are doing the things that Jesus has asked them to do, that they are bringing the kingdom of God. And so our calling, the reason why we do this, is not simply to be polite. It's because we begin to see it as being a larger part of this kingdom of God that we are a part. And what I'm here to tell you is that when we begin to prioritize our time, when we begin to overlook the fear that very well may be there, and we actually start doing what Jesus tells us to do, that we will begin to experience the kingdom of God in ways we never would have had we simply decided to just make church what we're doing right now now. What happens at the end of the chapter that I didn't read was that after the 70 had gone out, they come back. You can read it. And they are so excited. They're like, you should have seen the things that were happening. It was amazing. And you can tell that they're almost surprised by it. That they thought, well, we're going to do this. We don't really want to do this, but we're going to go out there and do it anyways. And they come back and they are gobsmacked that God actually showed up. And I wonder for how many of us, if we decided in the weeks ahead to really begin to love our neighbors even more so, if we might not be surprised at how the kingdom of God showed up. So what are we going to do? Well, one of the things I want us to do is simply an exercise. 
I want us to begin this morning. We've got a few minutes. I want us to begin this morning with an exercise. So if you open up your bulletin, hopefully you got one. If you opened it up, there's a right here. Who's your neighbor, right? And it says you are here. Again, if you don't live in a neighborhood, then you figure out a different way to do this. But for the vast majority of you who do, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you three questions. Now, I know most of you don't live like right in the center and have eight people around you, but you can, you're, you're smart people. Just adjust it for your neighborhood. And, I, I, and there will be some of you for whom you won't have enough time to give the answers. There will be some of you for whom, as soon as I ask the question, you will already be done. So if you're not done yet, we're going to have to keep going through it. But I'll give you a couple minutes for each question. The first question is this. I want you to write down the first and last name of the neighbors that surround you. Take a couple minutes and do that now. You can get help from your spouse. I already hear some of the whispers. Here's the next question. Again, if you're not quite done, that's okay. You can do it a little bit later. Here's the next question. Write down uh, something relevant about them, right? Now, this can't be just something that you know from the driveway, like, like you know, like they have a red van or, or she walks the dog in the afternoon. This has to be something like a job, where they're, where they're from originally, right? Something like that where you've, you've obviously had to have at least one conversation with him or her. So write that down now, and I'll give you a little bit less time for this one. All right, the third question is this. Write down something even more in-depth that you may know about them, right? Something like their dreams, their, their belief about God, what they fear. Um, something that clearly um, you, you must have had more even probably than just one conversation. So something just a little bit more, okay? This is the last question.
Now, again, some of you are probably still writing, perhaps. Some of you, like I said, as soon as I asked the question, you put your pen down. And the point of this exercise is not to try to make you feel really great if you've done it well, although you should, nor to make you feel shame if you haven't done that great of a job, okay? Um, It's really to kind of give a baseline for us to begin to ask questions that perhaps we don't always ask, right, when it comes to our neighbors. Now, some of these things you may be saying to yourself, well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to, not everyone's going to want to share with me their dreams or their belief about God or, or their fears, and that's certainly the case, and I get that, right? We're not asking for, you know, unanimity in every single person on your neighborhood to, to spill everything that they think, but we are asking, how, how's it going? And, 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 and if Jesus is, you know, tells us to love our neighbor, then as someone has said, then that may mean that we should actually perhaps you know, know their name. Uh, if, if nothing else, right? And, and so I get it. When I've done this exercise in the past, and usually, you know, with each question, I begin to kind of cover up my answers a little bit more, right? And, and sometimes I'll just be doing this, even though I'm not writing anything down, because it's embarrassing at times, right? But the reality is, I think, is that God has called us to be a people who love our neighbors, which means we have to begin to get to know them. We be, have to begin to actually listen to them, to have conversations with them. The nice thing about this, this comes from a book, by the way, that you can get out there called The Art of Neighboring, is is that it's perforated, right? So you can, isn't that cool? Anyway, so you can tear that off, right? And, and, and here's what I want to encourage you to do, right? After, when you're leaving this place, we have um, this place. Um, um, when you're leaving, well, it's not just a church. When you're leaving the building, um, we have magnets, right? One for each family that you can put, put the magnet on top of this and put it on your refrigerator. And over the next seven weeks, perhaps, you can begin to see whether or not there's at least another name that you can add. Whether or not, perhaps, there's actually another conversation that you had that you finally realized, you know, what the person next to you does, right? That the person's a pastor or ZPC, whatever it might be, right, that you can kind of write that on just as a way, again, of just trying to kind of wrestle um, with these things. And so that's what I'm going to encourage you uh, to do. This is some of your minds right now as you think about this. So here's the challenge for this week. Every week, probably, you're going to have a specific challenge. So let me begin with this challenge for you. This week, I want to encourage you I would say two to three days. I'd prefer three days, but if you can only fit in two, but try for three. I want you to go outside, and I want you to walk around your neighborhood. And I want you to pray as you do so. There are probably few more loving things you can do for a neighbor than pray for your neighbor. And if you don't know the neighbor's name, then pray for the anonymous neighbor. But perhaps you can also both be praying for the people in your neighborhood, and you can also be praying for the Lord to open up an opportunity for you to get to know the neighbor, right? So if you do this, and a person happens to be walking outside, carrying out their trash can, guess what that is? It's answered prayer, and it's an opportunity for you to love your neighbor. Don't, you know, sit there and be like, well, maybe that wasn't the right person. No, that is the right person. And again, I've got a neighbor who they've told me their name, and I cannot remember it. I remember his wife's name, but I can't remember his name. I've tried to Google it to try to figure it out because it's awkward. But, but perhaps, right, and the book talks about this, perhaps, you know, you just go, look, I'm horrible with names. Please tell me your name. Whatever it is, one step this week. Now, some of you, providentially, we could have started this last week, and we didn't. And thank God for that. Because the weather this week was brutal. But I want you to know that I've got the weather forecast for you. And here it is. 
I'm not making this junk up. This is actually it. Look at that. Once we get past Monday, 51, that's doable. 56 and sunny, absolutely. 63, are you kidding me? 68, 70? There's going to be a lot of people outside. And I'm praying that there's going to be a lot of ZPCers outside who can walk around. And if you think, well, I don't have the time to do it, well, that's a great lesson then. What can we do about that? If you say I'm too afraid, well, then let's kind of wrestle with that. But certainly, at least this week, you can get out on one of these most beautiful days, at least two to three days, you can get out and just walk around and simply pray. How does that sound? I appreciate your honesty, right? Okay. Now, the other thing that you can do as a part of this, and then we'll close up, is simply, um, and and we kind of debated whether to do this or not, but if you want to know for sure, right, one of the great things about uh, about the story of Luke 10, 1 through 11, is that they go out in pairs, right, to know that we're we're not doing this alone, right? And so my hope and my prayer is that the person to your left and to your right are going to be doing this with you, right? And so if you're wondering whether or not people are out there, one of the things that we thought you could do is, if you want to, is you could take a picture of your neighborhood. If you want to put it on your Facebook feed, and then then if you want to kind of, uh, if you want to tag um, um, ZPC, uh, ZPC's Facebook page, and just hashtag who's your neighbor, just as a way of saying, I've already already taken a picture, I'm going to put it up this afternoon, Um, um, well, We may not get out this afternoon, but I will get out at least on Tuesday afternoon, and we will walk around, and I will put that up just as a sign, just as a a symbol of the fact that we're actually taking this seriously, right? That we are out here called to love our neighbors. And so over the next several weeks, my hope and my prayer is that we will continue to grow and at least take one step closer towards loving the neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. Amen? Amen.